We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,413 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you? Well, healthy and alive, doing well. Glad to see you back this week. It has been a crazy 48 hours uh, since you were last on. And, well, we've got a problem at the border, don't we? Yeah, I mean, we've had a problem at the border for, what, 20 plus years? I would go um, 30 plus years because we started the, uh, the the mass migration thing in the 1990s under the Clintons. So that, I mean, that's when it really started to take off. I mean, you could argue probably Kennedy before that, uh, 60s and 70s, you could probably argue that, but uh, it really started to ramp up in the 90s. We actually had legislation passed in the United States Congress saying that the United States would accept 1 million new immigrants every year starting in 1990. So this this concept that the U.S. doesn't take people, uh, our country takes more people than anywhere else in the world, legally, at least we're supposed to. But all of that is now being thrown out the window. Now we have, um, that's why well, this is not, a, this is not immigration. We're way past immigration on this one. Texas, this is the, the big standoff now. So Texas has defied the Supreme Court ruling. As soon as I saw that ruling, to be completely honest with you, I was not surprised. The four excuse me, the five, the five that said that the order stands, that the feds are allowed to go down there and, and cut the wire, those judges should resign immediately, as far as I'm concerned. That's disgraceful. But again, I'm not surprised. We know who the four dissenters were, of course, but this has now caused a bigger problem. So now you're going to have a standoff between the state of Texas and federal troops. However, you also have other states that are now joining with Texas and sending their National Guard down there to support the state of Texas. Do we feel like we are in 1860? Getting pretty close. Um, there. So to be clear, the ruling uh, that the Supreme Court passed down was basically that Border Patrol is able to uh, remove the barriers. It doesn't actually bar Texas from putting them up. It just uh, it basically it was a stay put uh, by a lower court, Paxton is in a, um, the AG of Texas is in a uh, legal battle right now with the federal government, basically uh, suing them for not doing their job, uh, protecting the border. Uh, the judge uh, presiding over that uh, basically put a stay on the, the federal government from removing uh, any of the barriers that Texas puts up. 
the Supreme Court said, um, yeah, we're going to remove the stay. So it basically just allows the Fed to remove the barriers. However, Texas has said we're doubling down and putting up even more. Um, and most of what they're putting up is razor wire, concertina wire, if I can say it right. They're putting that that type of um, barricade up. They are doing like fences and those kind of things as well, but mostly it's razor wire. However much razor wire and concertina wire, now I'm having problems with it. However much razor wire and concertina wire you've got down there, double it. And I would say get whatever factories you've got online and start making more of it. And I mean now. Yeah, I'm all for doubling down. And the thing is, is if they're putting National Guard down there to install it and they just detain the feds and say, nah, um, you, you can move along. You're not removing it. That's what should. What happen. are the Fed's going to do? Yeah, what, 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 what are they going to do? Now here's here's inter- here's something interesting. Now you've got Border Patrol people. I I, heard, I actually heard this over the weekend. You got Border Patrol people that are actually resigning and they're joining the Texas thing to to actually do their job. Yeah, and honestly, good on them for doing that. Um, I know they're they're probably losing a bunch of pay and whatnot, but. You know, and long term well, benefits. Pay. You're not going to have a pension. It, no, this this yeah, argument exactly. that we're going to have pensions is is gone. That's that's over. Uh, you, you people that think, oh, I'm going to work this federal job and I'm going to have a pension, Jack, your pension is toast. Or haven't you noticed? You're not going to get a pension. Yeah, there's been uh, what six, seven million um, illegal aliens that we know of that have entered since 2021. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. The Texas military department says it will continue to hold the line in Shelby Park in their efforts to deter and prevent unlawful entry into the state of Texas. You know something? I uh, There's just there's something about Abbott that's just not right here. I don't know what it is, but I, I just I feel like it's all like this is all wrong. As in like Abbott is just not I, I don't think he's the, he's just not the real deal. I'm sorry. He's not. He does seem too wishy-washy. Um, he, he should have been on this uh really years ago um this they should have been doing this fight a lot sooner we're already at 500,000 illegals that have crossed the border this year alone just Not this even year done with the first month yeah and we've already had 500,000 so we're we're on track it's no longer just illegal uh immigration this is literally an invasion and unfortunately nobody uh seems to want to admit that or or because uh, if Abbott would say that we're being invaded, he gets power to use the military. He he gets like all kinds of resources and everything. Well, National Guard, not technically military. And he can secure the border. And then at that point, he can basically tell the feds, get out of here. You're not doing your job. Uh, but he's not done it yet. He's only threatened to do that. What, two years ago, a year ago, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, you're going to love this. The Department of Homeland Security General Counsel Jonathan Mayer, uh, Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan Meyer, whatever, sent a second demand letter to Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton demanding the state of Texas grant full unimpeded access to a border city park and boat ramp. This is the park, the Shelby Park, that the Texas National Guard seized, and they will not allow the feds any access. Um, uh, yeah, uh, if I was Paxton, I'd be like, no, no, you're, you're not doing your job. Yeah. It, and if, if you send your thugs down here, send them on down. I mean, I, I would I would give that ultimatum at a press conference. I would say send them on down. We'll arrest them and we'll take them back to the airport and we'll have them flown back. Carte blanche, post haste. Yeah. I, I don't think people really understand that the states do have, um, even though the Constitution says the federal government is supposed to secure borders, if they fail to do that job, which they currently are failing to do that job, um, well, 
even if they're not failing to do the job, technically the sheriff outranks them, um, they can be thrown out. Federal officers don't have all power. Um, the local law enforcement and, like I said, sheriffs can come in and say, yeah, no, you're, you're out. Bye-bye. And they can kick them out. It, it, that's the power that the local government has. And that's why we keep saying that it's really important that uh, you get involved in your local elections. The letter said the following. In sum, we require full access to the Shelby Park area currently obstructed by Texas, including but not limited to, limited to the following locations to patrol the border. <laughs> that, that You see, they're going to patrol the border and directly monitor the Rio Grande River, consistent with U.S. Border Patrol's responsibility and statutory authorities. Okay, this is what they're demanding. You ready? They've got four bullet points here. The government loves bullet points, don't they? Access to Eagle Pass International Port of Entry 2, known as Camino Real International Bridge. Th that's the one where they've been stuffing them underneath the overpass, that one. Yeah, uh, uh -huh. yeah. they've been hiding them from people that put drones up to show everybody what's actually going on. Uh, from, the 480, or from the Loop 480 access road, 24 hours a day. This includes beneath the port of entry as well. Uh-huh, you see. Access through the federal border barrier entrances described above located on Ford Street, Main Street, and near the intersection of the Rio Grande, of Rio Grande Street and Ryan Street, and two entrances at the end of Ryan Street, the Border Patrol... Uh, for the Border Patrol to move through and conduct and conduct line watch duties and patrol within Shelby Park 24 hours a day. You mean babysit? Is that what you mean? Because they're not going to be able to stop anybody. And if they do stop anybody, they're reprimanded and sent home without pay. Yeah. Full access yeah. to the boat ramp located at Shelby Park. I, I guess you see you got to have to pick them up out of the middle of the Rio Grande. You're going to have to bring them up on the on the boat there. You're going to have to do some rescues. They need, I'll bet you they need those little life rings and the life jackets and everything else. They also need unrestricted access to Shelby Park area during emergency circumstances, including but not limited to as assistance to other agents and officers, as well as medical and rescue operations. Now, see, that's going to be a staging area is what that is. Yeah, if um, I was Paxton, I would be like, no. Um, we're not required to give you that technically. Um, there's already allotted areas for the border. Um, anything past that is just kind of uh, um, courtesy. I would not extend them any courtesy because, quite frankly, they have failed in their duties to protect the border, to secure it, and to protect the American people. As far as I'm concerned, thanks, but no thanks. We don't need you anymore. Yeah. Let the states deal with it, which is how it should have been to begin with. Uh, well, let the, let the feds, you know, let the Border Patrol do their thing without handcuffs, but let them do their thing. But if they fail to do that, guess what? It befalls upon the states. Yeah. I mean, actually, does is border security even the federal government's job? I mean, I know it's it's supposed to. I'd have to look in the I'd have to dig into the Constitution and, and dig in to see uh, border security is important. But I don't I don't remember if it's solely delegated to the federal government or if it's also state i'd have to, i'd have to look at how the wording is and everything it's been a while but all that said this should not be a problem why is there a uh, lawsuit going on like it, the federal government should be working with the local government and ensuring the border is secure instead we have a dictatorship saying no we're going to do what we want to do uh we'll tell you what's good for your state we'll tell you what's good for you uh, and instead of the state going, yeah, no, we can't handle any more illegals coming across. We got too much fentanyl. We've got um, cartel members are even uh, they, they, they have American hardware, including um, uh, like American weapons and like missile launchers and those kind of things that are American. Um, kind of a problem, don't you think? I mean, uh, I'd, I'd, I'm curious to to know where those uh, weapons are coming from. 
couldn't possibly be some of the weapons we sent to Ukraine. That that would be that'd be absurd. No, no goodness, no. The the problem is is that the ones that we're sending over there, we are sending a lot of junk, and we're also sending a lot of stuff that it's going to cost us more to destroy than it would be for us to send it over there to you know just have them expend it uh, or just to have them spend it, but. Uh, a lot of that stuff is not being tracked. And some of the things that are being shipped there that are supposed to be tracked are never making it. So if they're ending up in Mexico, well, then what does that mean? That could mean that it's a, a number of things. It could be diverted on this side or it could be diverted on that side. We don't know. Because we know, according to Senate testimony to the Senate Armed Services Committee from last year with uh, General Richardson and the uh, uh, the other one, I can't think of it. Anyway, North and Southcom, they both pointed out in congressional testimony, in Senate testimony, that the most forward deployed position of the Russian GRU is in Mexico. So if they are seizing those weapons in Ukraine, you can bet that they've got flights going to South America to truck those back up. It could easily be our own government um, could be smuggling the weapons as well. Yes. I mean, they were that doing too. that in Benghazi. So or why Fast would they and Furious. not do it? Or Fast and Furious. Yeah, that's another example. So it, it's easily possible that it's our government doing it as well. No argument there. All right. Um, so moving on. You got anything else on the border you want to mention? Uh, offhand, no. I, I think that pretty much covers the, the gist of what's going on at the border right now. House Republicans have unveiled an effort to block the Biden administration from tearing down hydroelectric dams. I thought we were supposed to be exploring like clean energy. How much more clean can you get than a hydroelectric dam? Now, you see, the reason they're going to do this is because we have supposedly a declining salmon population in the Pacific Northwest. So we're going to need to do away with those those dams. Yeah, I'm curious. How many how many do we have in the U.S.? Hydroelectrics? Yeah. We got quite a bit. Uh, let's see here. Installed. We're generating uh, 1.3. What, what's after a gigawatt? Terawatt? So yeah, we're, terawatt. we're generating 1.3 terawatts, almost 1.4 terawatts so of power. power from that's hydro. A lot of power. Yeah. That, that's as of uh, 2022, though. I don't know what well, still, currently we're generating. Still, that's that is quite a bit. Even if you were to drop that down into the gigawatt, that, I mean, that's that's still a lot of power. But, well, I mean, if you put it gigawatts, it's one thousand three hundred ninety-seven gigawatts. Mm. So it's one point four terawatts. So there you go. So that is a lot of power. Now, if we start tearing mm -hmm. those down, I mean, of course, well, we're going to need wind and solar to replace them, right? Yeah, I'm, that's going to take a lot. That's going to be a lot of wind and solar. And batteries to store it for overnight That's use. That's absolute junk. Absolute junk. Uh, they say that they are doing this to deal with the declining salmon population in the uh, in the region. This is on the uh, Lower Snake River. Snake River, isn't that Lower like Snake River? It's in the Pacific Oregon Northwest. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. That runs through uh, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. And ends in so Wyoming. basically, basically what this is going to do, this is going to cut off uh, all that power generation that's all up in that in that region, at least a good a good percentage of it, because I don't think we have too many nuclear power plants up there. Mm -hmm. I don't think we have too many no. coal burners up there. No. You know, this is the same argument they used in California, uh, I want to say about 15 years ago, uh, or actually maybe, maybe it was almost maybe it was closer to 20 years ago. Th they tried to do this uh, to choke off the farmers in Southern California. If you recall, because of a uh, a rare fish that was in like a, some delta out there, and so they said that the farmers could no longer utilize that water to irrigate their crops. I apologize. I was I was looking for the uh, 
how much power we consume in the U.S. overall. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't really give a... Yeah, but it is quite a bit. So the four lower snake dams, uh, so there's four of them there, uh, are critically important to the economy in the Tri-Cities and the entire Pacific Northwest region. That was the president of Tri-City Development Council. He says their importance was underscored earlier this month when the Bonneville Power Administration reported record high electricity demand, which could not have been met without the power of those dams. You see, we're going to need that for people to, oh, I don't know, live. We're going to need that for people to heat and cool their homes, for businesses to operate, for goods and services to flow. It's incredible to me how these these out-of-touch idiots just think, well, you know what? We're just going to turn civilization off. We don't need it. That's fine. Yeah, that's not um, that's not really feasible. Uh, we, our population is not acclimated to living without heating and air, as an example, or just electricity in general for like lighting and um, uh, cooking, um, transportation. I mean, uh, we use electricity for everything. What about all the people that require electricity for uh, life sustaining things like, you know, you've got um, oxygen or you've got, um, you know, somebody's on uh, life support or something like that in the hospital. What about them? Uh, you're you're going to start cutting off power. You're going to start having uh, it, it just it, this makes no sense. You have to have something to replace uh, the hydroelectric dams. OK, so you want to do that for the salmon population. All right. It, it makes sense that it, it could affect salmon population. Sure. I mean, because salmon travel upstream, right, for uh, during the, the mating season or whatever the whatever the trend is. They can't travel upstream because of the dams, so they're not going to propagate the entire river um, like they used to. I get it. The same time, though, you got to replace those hydroelectric dams with something else. That that that's a couple. Uh, I'm pretty well. The overall hydroelectric energy production in the United States that would take a few nuclear reactors to replace. Um, if they could, you know, start making some nuclear reactors to replace those hydroelectrics or. Um, even natural gas or something. I mean, th th that would be great. But so far, they've not proposed anything to replace those. Natural gas burners, we're actually turning those off. I mean, there, there was one that was built in the region where I come from in the US. And I know some of the people that actually built it, some of the, uh, the contractors that went in there and built it. And it wasn't built that long ago. It was built maybe 15 years ago. And it is off, as in it's done. It was a new project. It was a natural gas powerhouse. And it's, it's done. That's it. It was a brand new construction project and it was online and then all of a sudden it's gone. Obama. Because of uh, climate change. They, yeah. they should not shut those down until we have a replacement. I'm all for finding something that's more uh, efficient, that's cleaner, uh, but we can't start shutting things down before we have the replacement. You got to start building up the replacement first. Make sure it works and is efficient. Not this wind and solar garbage. That's not that's not going to work. That's not a replacement. And then start replacing it. If you want to, I mean, even if they took all the coal power plants and went to uh, natural gas, that would be an improvement. Uh, if they would go from the natural gas to nuclear, that would be a huge improvement. Uh, the the amount of, um, well, we've talked about it before, um, ad nauseum really, but uh, nuclear power, when you... Um, look at all the methods that are available, the ones that have been banned here in the U.S. for some damn reason. Um, you can take uh, nuclear waste and process it to be used in a different type of nuclear reactor, and you continue that process until the radioactive material is no longer radioactive, and then you can safely store it away or, or you know, recycle or, or trash, whatever, uh, and it, it not 
uh, poison the environment around it. We can but, also defend ourselves with it, you know, nuclear, new nuclear weapons. You that, know, just that, just that, throwing that, that out that there. as well. You know, because we that's haven't built one of those of the, in 30 years, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. That's part of the reason they that it's banned is because the same method that you would use to enrich the waste to be used as fuel is the same systems you would use to enrich uranium to be used as um a nuclear weapon. Yes. Well, our adversaries cannot have that, can they? No, we have to. We have to. Well, I mean, it's OK for them to peace. do it. Oh, they can do it. Yeah, that's fine. You know, China builds all those breeder reactors and they're pumping out nuclear weapons like like sausages. And what do you think? They're just going to stick them in the ground and not use them? <laughs> yeah, that's my response right there. We got a clip of uh, the Russian defense minister, Sergei Lavrov, coming up about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, he mentioned something very interesting in that uh, in that interview. He sat down with CBS News. You know, there's no bias there or anything. He sat down with them and he was referencing a treaty. It's it's interesting because not a lot of people know what that treaty is. But it just so happens that I have been studying aspects of that treaty over the last few months. Uh, the anti-ballistic missile treaty. So we, yeah. we can talk about that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's very interesting points there. And he he just leaves a few things out just conveniently. Uh, but it just so happens that I'm very well versed in that. As a matter of fact, I was reading something on it two nights ago. So we'll get into that. Bruce, you mentioned this last week when you were on. The American <clears throat> elites are in support of energy rationing and rationing of meat to combat climate change. Never would have guessed yep. that. I mean, of course, this is a you know rolling theme that we see out of Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum. A study that was put out by Rasmussen that was conducted in September of 2023 says that 1,000 members of the American elites, and I will define what those are, uh, said that they're in favor of this rationing stuff. Not for them, of course, but for you. The elites are defined as those having a postgraduate degree. <laughs> That's an elite. That actually implies, in my mind, that implies that you've actually achieved something. Those people have achieved nothing. They've paid a whole bunch of money for a piece of paper. They have been educated beyond their intelligence. They are some of the dumbest people we have. I'm not saying that everybody that has a degree is stupid. Not by any means whatsoever, because I know some people that are very intelligent. However, you possess no practical knowledge whatsoever. Bruce is laughing. I'm laughing because if, if somebody has that level of degrees and they're offended by that statement, then yeah, they're, they're one of the oh, people yeah, that are yeah, stupid. Yeah, they're one of those people, yeah. <laughs> the, the household income is more than $150,000 a year annually, and you are living in a zip code with more than 10,000 people per square mile. That's defined as an elite? Really? So everybody in New York is an elite now. Uh, basically, um, that that's cheese. Um, so everybody that in L.A. is an elite it, now. Everybody in in my everybody in every major metropolitan area is an elite now. Basically, this poll is just Democrats. They just polled Democrats. Well, Bruce, you're not wrong because uh, they uh, they also go on to say that uh, approximately one percent of the U.S. total population meet these criteria. And of the elites surveyed, 73% of them identified as Democrats and 14% of them identified as Republicans. So, yeah. Sounds about right. The study also examined a subsample of elites, adults who attended Ivy League schools or other elite privileged schools, including Northwestern, Duke, Stanford, and University of Chicago. Roughly those that they classify as elites attended one of these schools. For the purpose of the study, they labeled those who attended one of these schools as Ivy League graduates. Do you mean all of those university programs that we talked about a couple of weeks ago? Does that make them an elite? If you've got a degree or excuse me, a certificate in social justice or gender mm. studies or, or something like that, that's what makes you an elite now? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 would classify you as an elite, I guess, in this in this yeah, if situation. If you've got a, deg a degree in black BDSM or whatever it was or, or something like that, or mm -hmm. just some mm -hmm. of these these god awful things uh, or white misogyny or whatever, you know, thing they throw up there. 
uh, the patriarch, you know, hatred of the patriarchy, that kind of thing. Uh, when asked whether their financial situation had improved or worsened recently, 74% of the elites responded that it, that it has improved, and only 20% of average Americans agreed. According to 47% of the elites, the United States grants too much individual freedom. <laughs> too, too much individual freedom. Do you know how long it's been since we've had actual freedom in that country? Too much individual freedom. While 55% of Ivy League graduates agreed, only 16% of all Americans responded to the same. Instead, 57% of average Americans polled responded that the government exercises too much control, while only 21% of elites and 15% of Ivy League, Ivy League graduates agreed. These people are really out of touch. Good Lord. Really out of touch. Do they think they're immune? Do they think that it doesn't affect them if... If the government cracked down on our freedoms and we were no longer allowed to have our freedoms, why do they think they're going to be immune? That you're not immune. You're you're going to face the same problems that us peasants, us plebs are going to deal with. The the only difference is um you're going to be allowed to uh play ball, uh and if you refuse to pay, play ball, you'll be made an example of. So <laughs> it, it's no different. I wonder how many of these people actually had a vaccination appointment. I imagine, um, you know, actually, when it comes to if you're if you're talking about like elite, like CEOs well, or, higher, you know, yeah, the like higher, those high ups. No, the higher degree ones. But we did see that, though, the higher degree ones were actually in favor of taking it. Do you remember those statistics yeah. we looked at? Yeah. Yeah. Those. So if you're if you're talking about like these ones, I imagine some of them are. But I don't think the high, I don't know, you still had some that claimed they were. Unless they can come out and show their medical records and show that they were, I don't, I don't believe uh, the elites when, they, when it comes to that. Because they'll come out and say, yeah, we, they did get vaccinated. Like the, who was the, who was the guy, was it the Moderna guy, um, CEO or whatever, uh, that was always out saying, yeah, I, I would vaccinate my, vaccinate my kids with this stuff and whatnot. The the Russian, what is he, Russian or something like that? Whatever the uh, whatever the guy was. Um, there was Albert Borla that said that he didn't want to step in front of everybody else. He wanted to wait until everybody else got theirs, you know, because he he would feel bad. That was the Pfizer guy, you know, the veterinarian. Uh, he said that he would oh, feel yeah, bad. No, if, it was yeah, it was Moderna. It was the Moderna yeah. guy. Oh, he, Stephanie Bensel. Yeah, yeah. He was saying that he would vaccinate his kids and all of that and himself. I don't I don't believe that. Um, I, I don't believe that for one second, unless he can bring up the the uh, medical records showing that he was. But even then, those can be falsified. So I don't trust when it's somebody with a lot of money like that and they're out there in the public saying they will do something or did something or something like that. I don't believe them, even if they came up with the like I said, the medical records. I don't even believe that because those can be falsified when you have that level of money. I, I, I don't trust you anymore. You You have to show some kind of like. I don't know. You, you did. even even if they did. And no, I, I just can't trust them. There's 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 I, I was trying to I'm trying to give them the bit of the doubt. No. There's no way you I can't come up with a way. You can't now after what I'm about to say. Seventy seven percent of the elites and eighty nine percent of Ivy League graduates replied that they would favor strict rationing of gas, meat and electricity to combat climate change, while only 28% of all Americans agreed. According to the poll, between half and two-thirds of elites and more than two-thirds of Ivy League graduates supported banning gas stoves, gas-powered vehicles, non-essential air travel, SUVs, and private air conditioning. The survey also found... <laughs> this is where it gets even better. Like that That's like making the cake, Bruce, and then this is the cherry on top. The survey also found that the elites and Ivy League graduates have a more favorable opinion of lawyers 
lobbyists, union leaders, and journalists than the average Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Oh, of, of course, course they, they do. do. Yes, they do. The data show that 70% of the elites trust the government to do the right thing most of the time more than twice the national average among the most politically active members of the, of the elite that figure rises to 89 percent good Jeez, lord what insanity the only reason i honestly the only reason i think that's true that they think the government will do the right thing is because they buy them off and the government's doing what those elite want that is crazy that is like if that if that is not out of touch and you know what the worst part is that is a um that's a sample, if you will. That That is a yeah. small sample of what you find at the World Economic Forum. That's what that is. That is just a, a small snippet of the type of trash that they have down there at those conferences. I challenge uh, any of them to um, come down here where I live, just uh, spend the summer here, and we'll, we'll do all those things that they, you were saying. Fuel rationing, um, meat rationing. Uh, air conditioning. Yeah, we'll ration all those things, electricity use, all of that. And you can live down here in the summer and tell me how that goes. Tell me how you like that. When it's 120 degrees outside, it's an hour to the next town. You don't have the fuel. You don't have food. Yeah. Uh, let's see how well that goes for you. It's for the earth, Bruce. You're missing the bigger point here. It's it's for the earth. All right. Moving right along here. Trump uh, talking about. Uh, uh, well, let's move over to Trump. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I. Oh, it's just. All right. I'm not I'm not I'm still not supporting Trump. I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. There's going to have to be accountability for this. And the uh, the top man there was the one that was having the final say. So um, I'm, I'm sorry. He's going to have to fall on that sword in my opinion, in terms of accountability to these uh, these COVID jabs. So I will not back any of this, but I'm going to give this its just due because I believe that if he's running away with New Hampshire and Iowa, and Iowa was a landslide. I mean, it was if that's, if that's any indication of what it's going to be, this is over before it starts. And a lot of the people that are now supporting him in these states that are like, for example, these New England states, like New Hampshire, that's a blue state. That is a blue state. That that state has been blue for as, as far back as I can remember. And if he's taken this much in it, because now you've got, I, I was actually, I was listening to somebody that went to one of those, um, uh, one of these these Trump rally things, not the turning point thing, but they, they went to another one. And they were sitting there waiting for him to come out and give a speech. All of the people around him. Now, this person was a conservative, okay? Just a, a conservative small business owner from North Carolina. He was saying that everybody around him were all Democrats and liberals, like like Democrat and, and the liberal type. There were no other conservatives or Republicans around him. It was all the, the Democrats. And they're like, you know what? We voted for Biden in the last one. And, and, you know, this this is a big mess. And we're going with this. We're going with Trump this time. That's a big problem. That is a very serious problem for the Democrat Party. So I expect all in, you know, to use a poker analogy, everything like there's nothing off the table for them this time around. I, and I don't want to get into the, you know, the party politics of the matter. But this is a cornered rat, in my opinion, because this is this is in no way going to to go well for them at all. You cannot put Biden if you're a Democrat and you still support Biden, I think you're insane, but you cannot put the old man on the ticket. You cannot do it. What did I say? What did I say? I, go back, Bruce. What did I say? I said it's going to be Michelle. It's going to be Michelle Obama. It's going to be a last minute announcement because the DNC moved the convention to where this year? Chicago. 
They're going to put her on the ticket and she's going to come out saying, well, I'm going to have to. Right. She's going to have to. She has to do it. She doesn't have any other choice. She has to do it for the good of the country. You see, that's my call. That's my guess. You can't put Hillary up there. You don't have anybody else. You're not going to put Kamala up there. That's just insane. That woman doesn't know anything. You can't put Biden there. You cannot put. Well, there's nobody else (laughs) for the Democrat side. AOC is too young. Newsom, yes, but Newsom, uh, no. He still has more grooming. Yeah, he's 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 not ready. He does he just doesn't have the time. I I believe they're going to run him. I believe they're going to put him in in 2028 if we get that far. But I don't think he's ready yet. Uh, DeSantis has dropped out on the Republican side, endorsed Trump. Haley, uh, why is this woman even running for anything? This woman shouldn't even be running for a local election board seat. This woman's insane. In fact, she's- you've got Joy Reid out campaigning for her on national TV, saying yeah. uh, telling all the Democrat donors that they need to get behind Nikki Haley. Are you insane? And she's running as a Republican. Sorry, I didn't yeah, mean to talk over you. Go ahead. She's a she's a rhino. Um, she is nowhere near um, conservative enough, and not not even conservative. Uh, I'm I would vote for someone in that's um, uh, anarcho capitalist. If if you're that far over the the small government side, and you know that would be that'd be great. That's kind of what we need right now. Anyway, is uh, like Calvin Coolidge or something. You know that level of purging the government, uh, the federal, at the federal level, all the way down to the, as, as he was doing the dye color on the, uh, uh, mailbags. Uh, I mean, even, even down to that, that we, uh, we need that level of, uh, scrutiny. Haley is too much of an authoritarian in, in my opinion. Yeah. So she's a rhino. Why is she still in? No idea. Other than looking for fame, you know, uh, sell my book or, She's going to feign uh, sexism or something. I don't know. I'm actually, personally, I'm disappointed with the whole Trump train. Uh, again, it feels like people are looking for a leader. They're looking for someone to uh, save them. And that's not going to work. That that's, that's going to end in failure. We should be the ones leading. We, the people, should be leading. We should be the ones pushing for the change. Yes, we need a good head, uh, if you will, like uh, presidents and whatnot. But they're supposed to be representatives. They're not leaders necessarily. Um, you, I mean, they should have leader traits. Don't get me wrong, but they need to be following what the people want. And I don't oh, really it, it, even even still. I, I would even if they were just constitutionalists and stood on the Constitution, even against what the people want, that would still be better than uh, a, a Trump because that's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be upholding the Constitution. Technically, not a populist view. And that's what Trump is. You know, he actually had he he got more votes than Bernie Sanders did in the New Hampshire primary on that night. And that was with that was still with 13 percent that hadn't been counted. That's crazy. Yeah. It, it, well, that's New Hampshire. That's Bernie territory. That, Like I yeah. said, that's a heavily blue state. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also really corrupt, Bernie Sanders. So, I mean, if, they probably know that locally. Um, but. Well, yeah, but you know, there's there, there is that. Uh, now, anyway, moving right over to um, uh, to the coverage, you know, the the non biased, impartial coverage by MSNBC. Lawrence O'Donnell, you've heard of this guy, the guy that is a yeah. uh, self avowed socialist. That guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were covering, of course, the uh, the New Hampshire primary, and he said that it was a very bad night for Donald Trump. Very bad. It was it was a very bad night. <laughs> really, you, you people. Like, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not supporting Donald Trump, and this this guy's actually just like he's smashing it in these primaries. This is insane. 
But O'Donnell said that one of the relevant frame, I'm quoting here, one of the relevant frames to use in looking at what Trump achieved and what he did not achieve is what Joe Biden achieved. <laughs> Biden was not even there. OK, he, he didn't bother to show up. Someone else came in second tonight. Dean, Phil- who the hell's Dean Phillips? I've never heard of Dean. Who's Dean Phillips? Uh, he's running on the Democrat think- side. Yeah, he's the he's the one of the others that are running against Biden. He's running against Biden. Well, I don't even, I've never even heard of this guy. Like, what's yeah, he, does he stand for know. anything or, or what? It doesn't matter. He's just up there. He's the, he's whatever. Don't you don't have to bother looking him up. He says he came in second with 20 percent of the vote amount in 20 uh, percent of the vote amount in the Democratic uh, primary. He went on to add. So Joe Biden demonstrates enormous strength in New Hampshire tonight. Then you have Trump showing much greater weakness against a credible challenger. It depends on how you want to look at Trump. He wants to be called president in court and everywhere. So let's call him president just for this moment. When a president is on the ballot in New Hampshire, in the New Hampshire primary, you are supposed to win everything. You are not supposed to face a serious challenger. And when you do, you lose. There is no president who faced a serious challenge in the New Hampshire primary, who then won in November. This is a very bad night for Donald Trump, looking at the pattern of presidents in New Hampshire primary situations who face very serious challenges. That's quite the spin. Um, that is something. That's uh, he, he won Iowa and then New Hampshire. That's kind of a unprecedented thing. I mean, it he doesn't won happen. 99%, like 99 counties out of 100 in Iowa. Uh, well, I mean, to be again, that one, I, I don't. I'm hoping I'm hoping. So at this point, I'm hoping he gets elected and I hope the nation uh, improves because of it. I'm just I'm not holding my breath in this. I'm I'm not. I would much rather vote for a uh, five mile wide iron core asteroid than either Trump or Biden. I don't think either of them are going to do anything good for the nation. Trump would obviously do more good for the nation, but I don't know He's not shown any evidence that he has a fire under him to purge uh, the federal government of the corruption. Um, he, it, I've not seen any real, um, I don't know, I, I, I've not seen any real movement. He's just talk at this point. What, do you, what are your plans? How do you plan to get rid of all the bureaucracy that's uh, corrupted? How do you plan to secure the border? What, what, what do you plan to do uh, with the cartels that are pushing fentanyl across? What's your intentions with China and Russia? I mean, he's not really covering any of that necessarily. It's just the typical rallies and motivational speeches. Well, even if he were to do anything like that, I think he would address it the way he did in his first term. And it would be that he believes that he can sit down at the negotiating table with them and make a deal. There is no deal to be had here, sir. I, I'm sorry. There's just not. There, there's no deal to be had with China. He's been saying that there is a deal to be made with China for 20 years. He has not changed his standpoint since the early 2000s. I've followed him that long. He believes the same thing with the Russians. If, uh, if he will take it... I know China and Russia are a really big problem. That that part aside, if he stood on the fact that um, he was wronged and now he wants revenge uh, for the wrongs that he was done the, the the first time, and he's going to go in and just wreak havoc. Um, okay, I'd, I'd I'd vote for that actually. Um, but but like I said, I've not seen any of the fire suggesting that he's going to do that unless he's concealing it there's only the, that would be that, the only thing is if you know it would be one of those where he gets in and then all hell breaks loose kind of thing uh which you can already see the media somewhat running interference because if he's a real unknown and they don't know what he's going to do then i could see them playing that as a real possibility now do you think that he could end the ukraine conflict well let's 
see what Mr. Sergey Lavrov has to say about that. Do you think there is a shift that would come if President Trump were elected? I don't believe that there, there is any, any, any difference because the drive uh, to ruin the Russian-American relations, the foundation of these relations, uh, including the all agreements on strategic stability, uh, parity, mutual trust, uh, inspect. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. I have to stop him right there. Mutual agreements on stability and parity and, <laughs> yes, and inspection, he was about to say. Okay, everything that he's talking about is in the literature that I've been reading going back looking at these arms agreements. What that means is, is that they're going to violate everything and we are to acquiesce to everything that they demand. And we are aggressors if we don't. That's what that means. He's going to reference something called the ABM Treaty, which is the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty. We actually don't have those. The Russians do, but they're not supposed to have them. It's an actual treaty violation that they do have them. Anti-Ballistic Missiles are defense systems. Think of think of it in terms of the Iron Dome that Israel has. That's, that's like what the, that is. But the Russians have that in their cities. We do not. We don't have that. Ours are mobile. But the way they get around it is they attach a radar system to those anti-ballistic missiles. And they say, oh, no, no, no. You see, it's just an extension of the radar systems. You see, we're allowed to have the radar systems. But they attach the anti-ballistic missile systems to them, and they're fully integrated, and you can't separate them. So that's how they get around it. But anyway, he goes on here. Actions, uh, transparency, and so on and so Confidence building. All this started to be ruined by President Bush Jr. When he told President Putin... You know, I am dropping from the uh, um, ABM Treaty, from Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty. And there's no return to these treaties. Superiority complex, impunity complex. Uh -huh, yeah, okay, it's yeah. getting too deep. Those who ignored huge amount of goodwill shown by Putin during his first two terms, who just said, okay, this guy is so nice. We will keep him in our pocket. Those who miscalculated everything, they must rethink. Instead, we, we see the, new, the current generation of politicians in the United States uh, having drawn no, just no single lesson from that unacceptable policies which the United States uh, started to promote after the demise of the Soviet Union. It's yeah, just despicable display there of, of their attitudes unacceptable behavior by the uh, the American politician. Un absolutely unacceptable. And you have got to know your place is what he is saying. That is what Lavrov is saying is America, shut your mouth and know your place. That is what he's saying. That is Soviet speak. That's where he comes from, by the way, if anybody was wondering. He's one of the old Soviets. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, kind of uh, one of the old American type, you know, um, if a nation comes in and says, sit down and shut up, um, all right, time to lock and load. It's shotgun diplomacy time. Um, you, you come in, you have a big stick. Yeah, I'm for diplomacy. Well, we can talk it out. But if diplomacy fails, I'm going to have the guns to back it up. Or in this case, missiles. In this case, missiles. But again, this is somebody that we're supposed to sit down at the negotiating table with? Huh? No, 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 no. Our biggest mistake was the fact we sat down at the negotiating table with them in the first place. The only reason you can negotiate with an enemy is because you're the stronger one. Because you will decimate your enemy if they don't if they don't play along with your game. Then you will decimate them. 
That's the only way the enemy will sit down and um, form treaties or any of those kind of things because they're scared of you. And unfortunately, that that concept is lost on the American people or they don't understand it or I don't know. I, I, I don't know why they don't understand that one. You don't get peace. You don't get these kind of um, agreements or treaties or whatever without a strong show of violence or, you know, you, you flex in your muscles and show that you will crush them. In the case of Russia and China, uh, we should just sever all ties with them completely and just say you're on your own. Um, you guys have fun. Uh, let them go into civil war as they collapse. See what the government reforms as and wait it out and see... Uh, See if they eventually reform into a more um, you, you know, democratic system, if you will, and then offer uh, later, offer a trade and whatnot to see. But you, you got to give them like 50 years or so. Let it, let the reforms yeah. really sink in. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, and you don't even know at that point if you're if you're going to have that because you're still playing two systems that are diametrically opposed to each other. This yeah. is what our biggest problem is, is people do not grasp the concept that there are different ways of thinking in different parts of the world. When you go to the Far East in places like Russia and China, their thought process is not anything like what we understand. Our process in the West is a process of logical deduction. The process in that part of the world is based on dialectics. Our people here, even in our our supposed think tanks, and you know something, we're going to have to re-examine that term because those people don't think at all. They dismiss dialectics, Marxist-Leninist dialectics. They dismiss them as philosophical nonsense. No, you jackasses, that's how they make decisions in their systems. Our analysts here, the biggest fallacy of them over the last, oh, I don't know, 60 years, has been that they mirror image their own preconceptions on people in other parts of the world that think that they share their values and their way of looking at things, and they do not. Not in the least. Then you bring in the businessman, the average businessman, who says, I'm going to look at China, I'm going to look at Russia, and I'm going to look at a business opportunity to invest. And you have the business person, and we're working on something with this, you have the business person that says, aha, I'm going to get them to be a hypocrite. Oh, they're a Chinese communist, but look at them. I'm going to get them to be a hypocrite because they're going to make money. Uh Uh-uh, Mr. Idiot Savant, that is a big mistake. And like I said... It, it's going to take a lot of reforms in those countries um, before we really before we should even consider sitting back down and, and um, talk trade and those kind of things. Um, but it's going to take a while. Uh, we've we've talked about it before. The, the, the way they think about things like, um, you know, here you outcompete one another. Right. You your your business. If you're fighting, uh, you know, your business is fighting with another business that does similar, uh, produces similar products or services, then you're supposed to outshine the other business and then you compete that way, right? You, 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 that's not the way it, it happens over there. The Soviet mindset is much different. Uh, you crush not, the other business by killing them. That's not true, Bruce. They deal in window sales. True, they do. Yeah, they, they I'm, I'm sure the, uh, the window business is really booming over there because, uh, they're having to replace a lot of those things. It doesn't matter the size of the building either, apparently. Yeah. I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to let you choose whether you want to talk about, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not even going to give you the choice. I'm just going to put this one on you because we don't talk about it enough. The Patriot Front. Yeah, those, those strapping <laughs> young masked lads. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Patriot yeah. Front. They were in 
New York at a pro-life rally. Why aren't they down at the border? Why, why aren't they down there? I mean, I mean, there's. They're supposed to be a nationalist group, are they not? Supposed so why to be, not? yeah. Why aren't you down yeah. there at the border exposing mm-hmm. what's going on down there? Bruce, do you think they're feds? Oh, 100%. No. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. Oh, you, you do think they are? You think they're oh, feds? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. I mean, you're, you're going to a pro-life rally. That's like Christian conservative. That's like, you know, th- those types. That's not your nationalist, uh, you know, uh, uh, no... You, you should be on the border, like you said. Yes, you should. Well, let's hear from the uh, the group's uh, leader. I, who? Where do they find these people? Uh, this is Mr. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Thomas Russo uh, is, is this guy's name. So let, let's hear from him uh, on the accusations that they are feds, right? There's baseless accusations, right? It's easier for people to just criticize them, right? Are you concerned at all about federal informants, like one or two guys joining your group? Like, not that the whole group is a fed up, but like... Even if even if they did, and we have vetting, and I can't talk about that here, um, so that's unlikely. But even if it does happen, those feds would probably be serving their country in a better way than any, any of them do now, because they would be doing community actions, they would be doing charity actions, they would be helping young men find careers, get into better shape, experience their homeland and nature, participate in uh, charitable actions towards the homeless, towards disenfranchised communities after uh, disasters like the, the chemical spill in East Palestine or the hurricanes in Florida, floods in Vermont, everywhere else, they would be doing those things and they would get very bored because a lot of FBI agents, they're very malicious people. They're very, they're very bad. They're very bad folks. And they believe in harming people. They believe in setting up terrorists to pursue a narrative that terrorism is a bigger threat in the country than it is. And in turn, causing people to be untrustworthy of anything they see, which disrupts the ability to organize. It disrupts people coming together, trusting one, one another, and changing things. So uh, I imagine our culture, our strength, our processes, our safeties and securities are antithetical and anathema to what any sort of FBI agent, morally bankrupt as they are, would be interested in. Now, you see, there's no way that there could be any Fed infiltrators uh, into that organization. No, no way whatsoever. And he, he didn't explain their vetting process, but there, there's no way. It's not possible. Now, it's not the only journalist that asked them that question. Now, they were caught again on the subway and asked, um, well, if you guys are so open and, and everything with, with all of you know everything you do, why, why do your people wear masks? Why, why is that? Why, why, why do you hide your faces? Why, is, there, is there a reason you do that? Well, uh, apparently, it's it's to protect everyone. That's why we do it. What do you say to people that call you guys fed? Uh, I'm not a federal agent. My name is Thomas Ryan Rousseau. Um, the group is funded internally. Um, when we need to be funded, members pay their own way. Um, the federal government doesn't like us. The FBI doesn't like us. If we were run by the feds, then we would be committing violence. We'd be setting up acts of terrorism, which is what the FBI does. But you saw here today, we walked past thousands, 10,000 pedestrians, right? If we were here to cause violence, you think we would have laid a finger on somebody, but surely we didn't, right? If we were here to make people look bad, then why would we do so many charitable works, right? Why would we, we, why would we be so peaceful? Why would we care so much about American culture and heritage if we were just to, supposed to be some sort of cartoonish people look bad? It doesn't make any sense. The arguments fall flat. Uh, conservatives, a lot of mostly it's conservatives, say that we're feds because it's an argument of convenience, because they don't have to be associated with us if we're not real. But the fact is, every day, every year, we're going to stay out here. We're going to keep doing demonstrations. We're going to keep 
making ourselves known in the public space, and they're going to have to come to terms with our ideology. Everybody is. Everybody's going to not have to have an opinion on patriot front as to whether they're real or not, but nationalism, patriotism as a political ideology, and they're going to have to have those answers when people start asking. If you were to vote, who would be your ideal president? I wouldn't. Trick question, though. I like you, though. There you go. If you were going to vote, who would you vote for? Uh, last question. So people say that, why are you wearing masks if you're a patriot? Um, anonymity is an American right. Anonymity is an American virtue. Revolutionaries has, have every right to hide their identity from a government which has proven itself not to protect free speech, not to protect the rights of individuals to protest that is in power, especially when other special interests, whether they're corporate, whether they're social media, whether they're anarchists online, take so much pleasure in harming people's First Amendment rights with harassment, with doxing campaigns. We choose not to give them that information because, frankly, they don't deserve it. Your trip today in three words. Uh, life, liberty, victory. So you shouldn't come to me with slogans. I got those. There's no way he's been coached on the way that, that was, he spoke. That was scripted, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that was that was acting. I I don't know anyone that does uh, the same kind of mannerisms, talking like that. Um, uh, the the body language and all of that. It was off. The definitely coached in what how to respond to those questions. Because uh, one of the one of the key things that he says there is, I'm not a Fed. That wasn't the question. The question wasn't whether you were a Fed. The question was, uh, is anyone in the organization a Fed? It was it was a plural form. It, that was just a bunch of baloney. The uh, questions are legitimate. His statement that anonymity is a right. No, actually, that there is nothing in the Constitution that says your anonymity is a right. Your anonymity to the government is a right. They have to have court orders, a warrant, excuse me, to go in and get information about you or, or your data, your files, your paperwork, whatever. Anything associated with you based on the spirit of the Constitution, I should say, because obviously it's argued now that they can go in and get uh, your personal data like on social media and whatnot without a warrant. Unconstitutional, in my opinion. Anything to do with any data on you should require a warrant. Anyway. All that to say, you don't actually have anonymity rights, but your privacy is, it's kind of like an unspoken rule, I guess, is basically what it is. That That's left up to the social interaction or society, as it were. The government doesn't have any right to that. So he's full of crap. Um, the organization themselves hasn't been violent or any of that. That's BS as well. We've seen fights between them and other groups. Um, I've seen them go on to... Um uh, like the DC uh, Metro, I've seen them go on there and start roughing up people for no reason. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen that several times. Yeah. So uh, the fact that they're, and the, the other thing that really bugged me about that was the wide brush strokes across the federal uh, or uh, across the FBI and uh, the federal government as a whole. Yeah. I, I have my issues with the feds. I have issues with some of the, the positions and, and stances they take or the things that they're doing or not doing. I agree. Um, but to brush all of them as, uh, corrupt, evil, um, malicious. No, no, I disagree. Uh, a lot of people that go into law enforcement, uh, want to make their communities better, uh, or want to, you know, fight crime or what, what have you. They're not there for malicious reasons. The ones that are the malicious ones are usually the, the higher ups. Um, that's usually where it, it stems from. And then the lowers, uh, get basically, um, uh, what's the word? Not complacent, but, um, 
they just they're just kind of like I got to keep my job. Um, so I'm just going to do what I'm told. 100% Fed operation. You yeah. never see a true opposition movement form. If you examine the opposition movements that are actually from the grassroots, I, I tend to think, and I don't know this for, for certain, I'm just guessing. I tend to think that the Proud Boys movement that was started by Gavin McGinnis, as in started, he doesn't, you know, he's not affiliated with it anymore. But I tend to think that that was a legitimate organization because you have, now you had some of them that were compromised. And I think the rest of them were uh, like, what's his name? Tario was was compromised. And the rest of them were like innocent bystanders that got mixed up in it. Because if you notice, those guys are now sentenced to like 20, 17 to 25 years in federal prison because of the January 6th nonsense. By the way, one of the guys that was sentenced to 17 years went in to take a leak and came out and that was it. He went into the Capitol, went into the restroom, relieved himself, left. He got 17 years in prison for that. So I tend to think that that was a legitimate, at least for the most part, a legitimate grassroots organization where the the feds had infiltrated it at the top and they were able to take down the entire organization. And then you get this as a replacement. It's a controlled movement meant to suck in people, to get you to go along with it. And then they will pin all the stuff that goes wrong on you. It's kind of like BLM for the Democrats. Yes. Um, yes. It's, it's basically this. when you look at the people that are the that support the organization that are the lowers they're doing it because like our communities are being destroyed or you know what have you but then you start going up the the the, the rung the ladder there um you you start getting more and more corrupt all right you got anything else today no i think that pretty much covers everything i wanted to cover all right, my friend, I will see you on the next Tech Tuesday. For those of you who are interested in supporting us, you can do so by clicking the link in the program description down below. That will take you over to our subscription page. Thank you very much. Bruce, I will see you next week. Thanks for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening.